Footy and Frothy is 23rd of September 2021. Uh, Barney, Ollie and Daggy with you to look back on all things semi-final footy, uh, all going on in the world of rugby league and everything else. Uh, Barney, uh, rising off his deathbed after a week-long <coughs> Jesus-style entombment. Uh, how are you, mate? Yeah, mate. For the first time in about eight days, I'm starting to feel like a real boy again. So oh, it's good. Well done, that. Pinocchio. <laughs> Yeah, it's been pretty rough. I've um, haven't been this sick in a long time, but it's good. it's good to actually start feeling better after a couple of courses of antibiotics and all the rest, and a couple of days of sleep. So yeah. get back amongst it. Yeah, good to hear. And uh, Ollie, how's the week treated you, mate? Yeah, been all right. Um, <clears throat> via Zoom, I've returned to high school. I guess you could say earlier this week, one of my teachers asked me back to do a bit of a talk to one of her classes. Um, they're doing journalism projects. Um, so that, that was nice to be invited back to do that. But um, before we actually started, she asked me, oh, uh, when would you be free to do it? And I said pretty much any time other than Wednesday night. We obviously end up, ended up moving the show to Thursday. And when we got on the call, we're having a chat for a bit. She was like, oh, um, how come you, you you can't do Wednesday night in particular? I said, oh, because I'm on this rugby league podcast. And she's like, oh, that's awesome. Um, she said, I can tell all the class like to go and listen to it. And I said, well, I, I really don't think we should um, should be um, promoting this in schools. I uh, hope you so did. I just, I just left it at that. What? But, um, we're yeah, very child-friendly yeah. here, little fuckers. Um, <laughs> I've lost me. Aragard. Uh, there it is, down there under the... Let me producing my eyes back in business today, feeding me. Um, yeah, what a week it's been. Uh, some semi-final footy. Not a lot of news around. So the sign news, I guess there was a rumour today. Actually, we'll start with a big one. Madge is staying on. The West Tigers uh, sacked him and then sacked him again and unsacked him when they were going to sack him which was good, um, but apparently his uh, last minute, apparently they didn't actually speak to him until the last minute, and uh, he was good enough in that final interview to convince him to let him stay, so I think it's also something to do with the fact they had no other coach, so uh, he's back next year. Uh, any thoughts on what that all means, Ollie? Yeah, well, it seems like they really wanted to get Cameron Serrato from Penrith, and I feel like he's probably sort of the next big rookie coach that's going to come through, but I feel like he wants to stay at Penrith and work on possibly taking over from Ivan Cleary one day, whenever that may be. So uh, he was off the table. And then other than that, there was some speculation that a couple of coaches who are currently over in England, Steve McNamara from Catalans, and they're obviously the minor premiers over there. Um, Sean Wayne, the England coach, and Christian Wolfe, former assistant coach at the Newcastle Knights, Tongan international head coach and St. Helens head coach, um, they, they were rumoured as well. There's a bit of speculation, which would make sense with the the boys coming uh, over from England next year. But other than that, I mean, uh, you're probably better off to stay with Madge just for that bit of security, I suppose. So I'm happy with it. I think Madge deserves to see out his contract at least, see what they can do with the players coming in, see what impact Tim Sheens has. And um, it, hopefully it works out. Hopefully they've got a good rapport together and the Tigers might um, make their first final series in 10 years, which would be nice. Barney, what do you think? Apparently there's a bit of word around that apparently they hadn't spoken to Tim Sheens either, that they were yeah. going to suck the coach that he was coming in oh. to mentor. So <laughs> what, that's what an interesting one. But um, oh, mate, the way they've chopped and changed through coaches over the, what, the last six years, there's... 
Has it has it borne any fruit? Was it consistently sacking coaches? It hasn't. Uh, Madge has got a plan. He's yeah. Obviously, the last couple of years he's regressed from where he's wanted to be, and I'm sure he's not happy about the situation either. But um, there's there has to be a time when the players take some sort of account of what's going on. Um, I think he definitely should see up, especially considering he's well, on somewhere near 600k. Like it's also no point in doing this and for, sacking him in round five anyway. What reason? No, absolutely not. He yeah. needs to get Which at I least half a season. Knowing the Tigers, I can see happening. Of, but yeah. Like, he has to be there till round 14, 15 next year yeah. at a minimum. Um, otherwise, there's really no point in keeping him on. So, um, you know, obviously the, that final word that he did have to say to the board sparked something there. So let's hope that there is some sort of upward trajectory from where they've finished at the end of this year. Yeah, uh, and look, the... There's issues there, obviously, but uh, hopefully now he's getting close to the team he'd want. Uh, all the mail out of Tigers is that there's their junior pathway is fantastic, the new facility is fantastic. There's some gun, apparently some real gun, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds in the system, and now I guess it's just getting them there. Uh, and another change isn't going to help that. I don't think Seraldo, beyond maybe short term, being able to sign a Tarek Sims or someone, is going to come in and fix a club in three years. So you may as well. See where it takes us. So, you know, I took a man who started coming through. Bloor, by the end of the year, Dewey, you get Dewey and um, Laurie. Uh, I think Dewey's going to miss part of next year anyway, but Dewey, Laurie, Hastings. There's games there that, that a decent leader gets them home in, and hopefully that is Jack's Hastings. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, move on. I hope I hope they do, like you said, Barn, at least give him three months. Don't just give him five rounds and a loss to Melbourne and Sydney in the first two games and... Um, the biggest issue I saw out of the whole thing was the the whole design of their review was completely ridiculous. Um, yep. With any problem, you start at the top and work your way to the bottom. You don't start just flicking off the, the, the bits and pieces at the bottom yes. and then work your way up to the top. And the two guys that they appointed were the two guys at the top of the tree that probably need to be looked at more than anybody else in the organisation. 100%. So um, We'll see, I suppose. So. Uh, We'll see what the future holds. We'll see what November holds. Now, the other news, I guess, today... Oh, quickly, the, the other signing news. Uh, there was a rumour about Jamal Fogarty being released early. That's been denied this denied. afternoon. Yeah. Uh, Ryan James has signed with Brisbane, so he'll head there. And what was the last one, Ollie? Another uh, runner for Tony to the yep. Roosters confirmed now. Um, a player who I think was okay this season. Not, not his best year, but... Um, there, there was a period there where he had a, a little bit of a, a bidding war and then it all sort of went quiet. So, interesting, good pickup for the Roosters anyway. They're, they're going to have a really good forward pack next year, especially if they bring in a Sims. I imagine they've got some money to spend too. Yeah. Because they've got so. um, yeah, Cordner and Friend at least. Uh, and I think the word was Angus Crichton will get an upgrade in the off-season. But, Both Morrises. Um, and the Morrises. So, they've probably got more money than the Tigers to spend, which is a scary <laughs> thought, given who they were missing this year. Um, they can have Luke Brooks. There you go. Um, I think that's about it for signing news. There's no major injury stuff either. So uh, the other news was that the NRL has made a decision on the franchise, the next franchise to come in, and it will be announced the week after grand final. I would suggest, Ollie, that Redcliffe would be, what, twenty. Cliff would have to be the favourites, and this is where it's interesting because we've only got a couple of weeks to go now, but there has been some speculation that the Brisbane Jets and Brisbane Firehawks are going to merge so that they can well, be... Apparently it will be a Brisbane team. Yeah. Or if it is the Dolphins, they'll be rebranded to Brisbane Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. So 
the Dolphins on their website, they've confirmed they've actually got a website dedicated to outlining um, their bid and their values, et cetera. And in the bid, they've, they've basically said that they'll be playing the majority of their games out of Suncorp Stadium. They will take a couple of games per year to Redcliffe. They're also looking to take a couple of games per year to the Sunshine Coast. And they're yet to confirm that they'll be called the Brisbane Dolphins if they I think that's a really cool little ground at Redcliffe too. Yeah. Oh, it's an amazing ground. I'd love to go there and sit on the terrace one day over a couple of drinks and watch a game. But um, they'll be called the Brisbane Dolphins, but they're, they're yet to confirm they'll be called Brisbane, but they have confirmed they won't be called Redcliffe, uh, but the Intrust Super Cup team will still be exact same, based out of Redcliffe. Everything, so that's good. Yeah, at least. needs a couple of little upgrades, but uh, to me, I don't know. Redcliffe Dolphins just sounds better to me than the Brisbane Dolphins, to be honest. Considering you've already got the Brisbane Broncos and whatever else that there may be, I would have um, thought. In, in I, I'm not a any any wizard or geography, but I would thought covering more ground would be better. And um, the, I suppose the interesting anyway. part to me is the. The, the joint bid, um, we heard, what well, was it, probably three to four weeks ago that they were going to, um, they basically were told that they need to merge their bid if there are any chance of coming through. And we haven't heard anything about it ever since. So, um, yeah, obviously devil's in the detail there. But it, to me, as you said, Daggy, I, I would say Redcliffe or Brisbane Dolphins are pronounced yeah. favourites at this point. What does it do to the player market? It, it now throws a 10 million bucks into the player market that no one's going to want to sign now. Well, it's still twelve weeks. It's still twelve months down the track. Yeah, people want to be obviously. Yeah, they can what? I suppose they can legally start talking to people after November. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Off this may also for twenty twenty three. Yeah, this may also take Wayne Bennett out of the market for twenty twenty two. Actually, I'd assume it would now that they're announcing it at the end of twenty twenty one, and it's now confirmed that the team will come in twenty twenty three. There was that bit of speculation they might push it back a year to twenty twenty four. And it's already confirmed Bennett's leaving South Sydney at the end of this year to make way for Jason Demetrio. That was always the plan, um, even when he signed at South originally. So it looks like 2022, at least for Wayne Bennett, would be dedicated, uh, unless they don't sign him as their head coach, which I'd be very surprised if they don't, um, whoever the team is. I would assume surely the announcement would at least contain, maybe not the first one, but there'll be an announcement with a coach and surely a marquee player, even a Munster or something. Now that you say that, possibly at this press conference, I, I take it it'll be a press conference where they announce they the want team. someone there in a jersey, surely. Yeah, I, I'd say Wayne would Bennett so. would probably be the most likely to be that person, you'd have to think. So Cameron Smith be a minimum, be. minimum CEO yeah. and, um, yeah, some sort of um, mani- cool. manager of the players or a marquee player. You could you see, I could see sort of a Shane Richardson, Wayne Bennett, Cameron yeah. Smith combination, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, someone's got to be there. <laughs> <laughs> they do need a social media coordinator, Ollie. Well, hey, we could we could co-do it. All three of us. Oh, sure. Who gets paid? <laughs> is it like the? Uh, is it like one uh, Western Sydney club that want it done for free? <laughs> Internship. Mm. All three of us. Yeah, no, Western well, Sydney, well, inner west. I don't know, somewhere in there. Somewhere west, yeah. west of something, southwest. Anyway. Uh, that's about it. I don't think I've got much other news. Let's talk some footy. That was quick. There's a hug yeah. claws up my leg. Quick uh, let's get to back to Friday night. We'll go back to Friday night where the uh, Seagulls, I think the, the petrol tank finally sputtered out for the Roosters and Manly put them to the sword 42-6 to six barn. Yes, we had seven tries for Manly and one for the Roosters. Seven out of seven conversions played zero out of one. 
And one out of one penalty attempts for the Roosters. 79% completion played 71. 31 out of 39 sets played 30 out of 42. Seven line breaks to two. 38 tackle busts to 23. Three offloads to four. Zero force dropouts by Manly, but three by the Roosters. Zero 40-20s. 272 tackles played 374. Three ruck infringements to two. One inside the 10 by Manly, zero by the Roosters. Eight penalties conceded by Manly and only six by the Roosters. Uh, nine errors to 13. Olakawatu made 30 tackles. Radley made 56. Tommy Trebojevic made 201 metres. And Daniel Tupu made 220. <coughs> Schuster missed three tackles, made 24. Aloya missed two and made 12. That's the worst for Manly. Uh, the Roosters, the back rowers for the Roosters missed five tackles each, but they did make 35-plus. I know it's, Marcy, I know it's a lot of work, but that's a growing trend, isn't it? For Absolutely, especially for Satilli, yeah. uh, which we'll get to. Uh, Maskey, Jared Weir, Hargraves, and Lamb all missed four tackles each. Uh, that forward pack missed 22 tackles combined from the starting forward tack. Uh, so, yeah. I said the Roosters, you... Uh, intimated to it there, Daggy. The Roosters squeezed every last inch of life out of this season and it spluttered and stalled and stopped in the in some field out the back of Mackay at the end of the day. They, um, they got everything that they could out of this season. They did an amazing job to get as far as they could. But um, Manly were up. Manly were the team that were in form coming into this game and um, the Roosters just sort of had to scrape their way to get where they'd got to. Many were in complete control from pretty much the first minute of this game, I thought. Um, yep. Their attack was crisp. And it was on the back of a, a pretty strong forward performance. wasn't dominant, but um, they got in there and they mixed it with Jared and um, and Takiaho and the rest of the boys. And they got under their skin at different times in the <laughs> at the start of this match, especially um, the bald-headed fellow from the Manly side that they started instead of Tupu. Um I'll remember his name in a minute, but he, he got under the skin of Radley and Jared Weir Hargraves in, in particular. Um, but it was all... Sean um, Yeah, Sean Kepi. He definitely got under the skin of the starting pack for the Roosters. And uh, Radley actually threw a punch at him, which I'm surprised he got away with at yeah. the end of the day. But um, it was short, sharp passing through the middle and support play. Like, they didn't kill him on the edges. Like, mainly have been burning teams like, out wide all year, but... They absolutely killed the Roosters through the middle. They cut them to rib- like absolutely cut them to ribbons at time. Especially with um, Dylan Walker was super impressive. He's oh, come yeah. on yeah. in the last four to four to six weeks. I would he imagine since hot, he's been he moved the into patch. the back row. Yeah, but when he was playing off the bench, when he first moved back to fourteen, yeah. and he was uh, playing sort of between back row and a bit of, well, even, uh, and a bit of dummy half, he was. I thought he grew a leg then. He was taking front rowers, hit ups. He <laughs> was, you know, part. He was playing ball playing. He was, I believe he actually got an extension recently too. Actually, uh, he's uh, not. He's not the, signed yet. They're, they're negotiating. Okay. But, um, yeah, yeah. He's definitely gone from a seventy-five k contract up to somewhere around the two hundreds. I would imagine <laughs> his prices. His prices bumped up pretty. pretty That's big probably the right the time to be. Weeks. Probably the right time to be playing well off contract though. Yeah, um, yeah. Teddy. Teddy, Victor, and Angus, they tried their arse out. They do pretty much every week, but they didn't get much help from anyone, especially their bench. Their bench um, didn't add a lot to this game. Uh, Kerrigan had a very unhappy night, considering how well he's been going recently. Um, His hands were all over the place. He's dropping balls left, right, and centre. Satili, I've mentioned it a few times over the last couple of weeks. I haven't heard much of anybody else saying it, but he's been struggling in defence, and... 
He did again, um, and he was actually pressured continually in this game, but his hands let him down as well. I think he just got to the point where he was making errors and he just kept trying and trying, and, you know, the bubble just gets bigger and bigger and then it explodes and blows up in your face. But, um, you know, the the pressure, injury, like, for for Satili, I think think he's been carrying an injury himself for the last few weeks. He just Mm. doesn't seem to be moving the way that he used to. He'll bounce back next year. As I mentioned, Dylan Walker's absolutely added some money to his next contract that he was going to get because he wasn't going to get much before six or eight weeks ago. Um, Harper and Ola Kawatu, they absolutely made up for the previous weeks where they were getting lapped in defence. They weren't superb, but they were uh, very strong by all means. Um, Jake and Marty did a good job, but um, it was the Tom and DCE show again. You know, when they get on the back of a good go forward and they got time and space to play the game that they play. They cut teams apart. There was absolute dangers. I think it was in the first five minutes, the Roosters edge fell to, fell apart. It was absolute mm. danger signs. Uh, Olakor, R2 and uh, <clears throat> Morgan looked like they uh, very much had put themselves back together from last week. And um, there was almost no coming back from that. Once they, that led to points, that was it. And uh, I don't have much to add, to be honest. There's much to take out of this game, Ollie. Oh, not really. Um, unfortunately for the Roosters, I'm going to echo what you guys said. They they just reached their, their breaking point, it seems, uh, at the start of this one. And Manly just pretty much ran rough shot for the majority of the game. Just on Dylan Walker as well, I saw when Des Hasler said in that press conference that uh, they were in negotiations to re-sign him, he said from here on out he's the 14, um, so he's not going to be shoehorned back um, into centre or at fullback or anywhere, um, which is good, believe it or not. Des Hasler is a good coach and knows uh, how to use players in the right places. Uh, but, um, yeah, look, the Tommy and DCE show pretty much, um, and the Fords really got got onto it on off the back of that. Yola Kawatu's, you Jake Travoyevich's as well. They're outstanding for me. Um, but, yeah, f- from the Roosters, you can't say the effort wasn't there, funnily enough, but they just got well and truly outdone, especially the key players were standing up, as you said, your Tedesco's um, and your Bradley's. But, yeah, uh, ran out of juice pretty much at the start of this one, and it was all manly the rest of the way. There were There's still those little signs. I'm still convinced Teddy will end up at six at some point. Little, it's looking a bit that um, way. Because he, yeah. he just has it. He goes looking for the ball anyway. Um I suppose whether it's Marnie who wants to play one or whether that's feasible. Marnie's with... gone now, isn't he? He's got one more year left, hasn't he? He's got a year left, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, plus, I suppose Kiri's back, so there's no need for it either. <laughs> um, mm. But, yeah, they he was their best, uh, as was Radley second, and I, there's no one else I really want to talk about. So. Yeah, Angus had a go. Um, Angus young, did too. Was it Maskey? I think it was the hooker. He, he tried hard, but... Mm. Um, is there a case we made for DCE captain of the year? Was it just a random thought? He's he leads them around quite well, but I suppose it'll probably be Cleary. No, watching, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, just watching Penrith play, I'd, obviously leading his team around the park, yes, Cleary. But I think uh, Isaiah Yeo probably just has as much an impact because they're they're co captains, I believe. I would, um, as crazy as this may sound, give captain. I'd give him. Both captain of the year. Probably, yeah. Actually, I'd give it to you. DC yeah. um, has had one of his better years. Unfortunately, just been overshadowed by yeah. a freak behind him and a 
Yeah, I'd go with DCE to be honest. Um, he's been there for the majority of the season, and whenever anything good's happening, he's at the forefront. And even when they're not, when they weren't going that good, he was still their best. So yeah, I don't think he should win it, but I think given the circumstances, Teddy's been a pretty good captain as yeah. well. We have yeah, say Teddy will probably about, yeah uh, about Robbo. Um, we've been raving on about him a bit being able to keep it together with all the injuries, but um, the captain's got to have their party in that, especially. Oh well, when it's pretty simple. If you players... took if you took Tedesco out of that team, they probably run thirteenth. Yeah, realistically, and if you put him into St George or the Tigers, they probably run seventh or sixth. I think he's worth that much to him. Easily, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, um, do we take anything else out of this game in terms of them potentially meeting Melbourne again or are we just... Well, just as you said, when you mentioned DCE, I really liked the, the work that he was doing. He was um, absolute enthusiasm, the way that he was attacking the ball and getting on the out, on the outside of his nine. And, and Croker actually added quite a bit um, to that team as well with the service. And he's just got a quicker service than anybody else in that and team. And he actually miss the that ball too, out yeah. nice and quick and hits him on the chest. And DC, rather than stand and waiting for the ball, he can start running and start running a line and Croker can hit him on that line. And that just adds that extra, you know, tempo to the back line movements when they're on the sweep on their way out. But I was really impressed with DCE's stuff. He's, um, he, his game management's always good, but I think his attack in this game was um, was better than than his average sort yeah. of um, output. So, yep. Uh, what is it? Three? Oh, we haven't mentioned him. The fullback had a good game too. <laughs> Get sick of giving him three points. To be honest, but I we, wanted um, to find a way to give DCE oh, the three. Give we can do what we want. All right, DCE three, Tommy two. There you go. Nah, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> can't do it. But, when he's uh, taking front row and hit ups and just barging over two blokes from five meters out and scoring tries. What about that? He just went. Just uh, give me the yeah. ball, Nick. Just, just yelling. Run flat give, out yeah. straight at these two blokes and score this drive. Popping up on the inside of his brother, on the outside of DCE. He's just everywhere whenever they, whenever he's needed. And yeah, that was DCE, incredible. We just did a, three. we just did a fifteen-minute review without mentioning DCE too. And I gave Radley the one just because he worked his backside out. He made fifty-plus tackles and 13, 14 hit-ups. But yeah, I'll give it to you. Him, give the one to anyone. Harper or Kawata <laughs> would have been the other one. So. Yeah. Or Jakey even. Actually, Jake was good. Jake um, was good. Jake was tremendous. Uh, let's get to game two. Panthers eight beat the Eels six in front of 6,000 people at Mackay. The farm up in Mackay. What did the stats say, Barn? Uh, yeah, what about this game? We had a try apiece, uh, one out of one conversions for both teams and one out of one penalty attempts for Penrith. 84% completion from both teams also. <laughs> 38 out of 45 sets played 37 out of 44. One line break to Penrith, two line breaks to Parramatta. 35 tackle bust to Penrith, 36 to Parramatta. 12 offloads to seven. Two force dropouts by Penrith, four by Parramatta. Zero 40 20s, 410 tackles played 374. Four ruck infringements to two. One inside the 10 by Penrith. Two penalties conceded by Penrith and seven conceded by Parramatta. Nine errors to 10. James Fisher-Harris made 48 tackles. Stone made 42. Edwards with 229 metres and Gutho with 248. Cleary missed six tackles and it's becoming abundantly clear that uh, he, he did needs not look somebody well. Back to Back in this game, him. he did not look well. 
Oh mate, he needs he needs two blokes on either side of him at yeah. the moment because his shoulders barely hanging on. Uh, he's made sixteen tackles, missed six. Appy made forty four and missed six. Wonga Blake made five tackles and missed six. Nathan Brown made fifteen and missed five. It's not bad in about twenty five minutes or whatever it was that he played for. I think it was like seventeen minutes, maybe. Yeah. Lane made thirty five and missed five. <laughs> Why not get the Panthers fans angry at me early? Um, <laughs> have Have Penrith gone backwards, or, or for the gap to close, has Penrith gone backwards, or has um, Param- did Parramatta step up? I think this was the game that Penrith needed to realise where they are and what they need to do yeah. to get close to the top couple of teams. Well, let's, uh, this game was uh, <laughs> no points in the second half. Both tries in the first half were uh, off kicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, lucky tries, you'd um, you'd probably say for both. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I didn't think there was much in attack um, from Penrith at all. Uh, and but and you'd probably argue same from Parramatta. I think if two O plays, it's probably more convincing. So you can argue that. But I would argue if Reed Marnie plays, Parramatta will probably win by ten. They probably I think do. But uh, if Penrith don't bomb three tries, they probably win well. pretty convincingly. There as was well. a period like that Naden one where, like, yeah, yeah. Well, seriously, was, man. There was like, a period. Over, it was what six inches from yeah. hitting the ground, and he managed to drop it. <laughs> yes, there, and there was a period there for probably fifteen minutes, ooh, just before half time, where uh, Penrith could have ran away with it. They probably could have put on eighteen points another week, and. Game would have been. There's times when they should have passed and they didn't. There was times when they kicked when they shouldn't have. And mm. I, I dare say they left four tries out there. Um, yeah. Over the entirety of the game, and you know, if they scored two of those in the first half, the game's completely different. That's right. Parramatta that. go in at halftime eighteen to six or whatever it is. They're yeah, they're not busted. coming out and playing the same way that they played in the second half. And but I would argue Power, Power probably left twelve points out there at least. Uh, there was a cut. At that, least there one. was a forward pass. Yeah. There was another one where. Oh, they uh, made they, errors at crucial times. They the service, yeah. Raisto's defense was fantastic as it always is, but his yeah. service from dummy half. Oh, he's not a hooker. He's definitely not a hooker. Uh, crueled their attack a lot. Uh, probably knows. Well, there's three blatant, dro- like complete drop balls, and I think it, the first, two and, of them were on the second tackle. Yeah, on the attack, like and now, and forty out. Yeah, and one was I think ten out, ten or fifteen. <laughs> out. Uh, and yeah, so look, Parramatta had two of their better games last two weeks for all the names. Uh, I was scratching my head though with 15 minutes to go when they had, uh, was it Paulo Brown and, uh, Papa, Papa, Papa all sitting on the bench for about 15 minutes together. That was a bit of a head scratcher for me. Uh, but apart from that, uh, Moses was great again. Brown had, was better. I think I think both five eights actually. Actually, now I think about it, when I say better, it's a low bar because I think both five eights weighed down <laughs> their halves a little bit in this game. I think Lua yeah. had his best game at all, uh, and but it's been better than what he's put out. It's for been better. He's the running the ball. Weeks. He's yeah. been running the ball a lot more, which is something. And uh, Gutho chimed in enough. Probably not what he was doing peak peak Gutho this year. No. Um, Dylan Edwards didn't they looked have their best Parramatta when they were just giving their centres early ball and letting them go because those two centres, ball in hand, they look like they offer something. Whether they need to get something around them, but Penasini, ball in hand, and Wonga Blake just uh, in the last couple of weeks have both looked very good. Yeah, they I agree. Ball in hand with time and space. Uh, Waka Blake has had probably had his best season. He's been since, apart from the injuries, 
uh, and the obvious times he should pass. He's been really good this year, uh, and he was one of the better players, actually. Uh, yeah, what do you think, Bart? Oh, man, I absolutely love the game. It was, uh, it was basically a game of horsemen's backs and run it straight, bro. Like, they just they just ran straight at each other when they had the ball. Pretty much most of the game, they were trapped inside their own 30, both teams. Yeah. Like, because they they get 30, 40 out. The it was funny because it was... 70 metres down the field. It was dominantly so. Out of your own yeah, it was dominantly pinned in their 30s. Absolutely, like the the halfbacks did an amazing job with their kicking game to just pin, like they'd make 30, 40 meters, and then they'd put a 60, 70 meter kick down into the corner and go, okay, your turn. And that was basically what happened for the majority of the game. Mm. I enjoyed the way uh, Moses mixed up his kicking. Uh, They both did, Uh, but Mm. some both both had the heavy ball bombs, both had some spirals, both had some good long kicks as well. one thing I do want to see more out of Penrith, which we've seen for the majority of the season, is just that put it in goal, put it in goal, put yeah. it in goal. They haven't done it for, for well since Cleary got injured. Realistically, what back of the back of the state of origin, where they would just camp on your line for yeah. five or six sets and go, okay, turn us away this one, we'll roll it in and we'll come again, and we'll roll it in and we'll come again, and. That's the way you break teams they've down. Become, doing, they've sort of gone back to... They've always I become more frantic. It's like they've lost their... Two those floating chip bomb yeah. fucking things that I, I was criticising at the back end of last year. Yep. Like, and his new toys, the kick, the spiral grubber thing that he does. The banana grubber yeah. thing, yeah, they're along the ground. But they've but, always become frantic, which for, for two years has not has been... Their strength has not been that. has been the calm they've brought to the game. Absolutely. Uh, the defence for both teams was absolutely amazing and both teams would probably win the majority of the NRL games that were played this year oh, if you yeah. defend like that. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> that's what brings, like, the semi-final footy, it just brings out the absolute best of you know, most teams unless you're running on empty or you get busted early or whatever. And, Ollie? Or you just lose your oh. head. But Ollie? I-, I thought Parramatta throughout the game were the better of the two teams. I honestly don't think either team was great. Um, it, it was an entertaining game to watch and a great game to watch, but um, sort of seeing people online saying this was the game of the year, this was a classic, well, uh, maybe in terms of the anticipation and watching it live, but I feel like if I watched this one back, I'd be pulling my hair out a bit, especially with the bond chances from Penrith. Uh, but Parramatta too, I think they weren't necessarily try-scoring opportunities blatantly that they bombed, but they bombed plenty of opportunities to get momentum, uh, to get on the front foot and to possibly score. And I see a lot of Parramatta fans blaming the refs, et cetera. Uh, There were some 50-50 calls, however, at the end of the day, Parramatta had it in them um, and had the opportunities to go on the lead and win this game. I was convinced in the last 20 minutes, Parramatta are going to score at some point and win this game. It's just how it was looking. But it, it just did not happen. I thought both goal line defences, especially Penriffs for that sort of 10-minute uh, period there where Parramatta got a few repeat sets to hold him out, uh, that was impressive. That was probably Penriffs' strength for the entire game. But again, it, it wasn't too dissimilar a performance than what they put out against South Sydney, which worries me a bit, and we'll get to it. But I feel like against Melbourne, purely because they can't can't play like that again, I feel like they won't, but yeah, it, it is a very worrying sign. Yep. Uh, yeah, Parramatta just lack that cutting edge, you know, the X factor, whatever you want to call it. They just don't have that bloke that can bust a game open on his own. Well, yeah, and it's 
you know, we all love Gutho, but that's just where he's at. He's not a Tedesco or a Tommy or a Latrell that's going to... RCG and um, Paulo were, again, were immense. They were the probably close to the best two forwards on the ground. Um, you'd pick up... If he's last month, you'd pick RCG <laughs> in the Australian team. Yeah, he's only played two games in the last month, but well, yeah, you get close. Yeah. Still... <laughs> yeah. Um, Papa Lee was good again. Um, probably... I think he deserved a few more minutes than he got, to be honest. I don't. Um, Madison was definitely uh, short of a gallop and probably should have got a few less minutes than what he get, was given, and they should have been given to Papali'i, which may have made a difference, but who knows? I don't get um, how he goes from playing 80 minutes for 24 rounds and now he's bench player. <laughs> Absolutely. We mentioned um, Stone's service from Dummy Half. That was a kilo also for Parramatta. But um, Fisher, Harris, Yo, and Capewell will probably probably did enough just to take the, the forward pack. Uh, those three together were probably just slightly edged out Parramatta's pack and probably, you know, it'd be a 10-9 round or whatever if you want to put it towards boxing terms. Um, Kikau and Kikau and Edwards, I don't know what happened there. Those Both, both of them had the absolute yips. Obviously, Kikau seems to. I don't Kikau, know, he, he did it he in the grand, he did the grand final. Yeah, he absolutely. Did he it thinks in the he grand has final. to win him the game himself. He did it last week, and he did it again this week. Mm-hmm. And um, between Kikau and and Edwards, they combined for one of the classic stuff ups of the season, where they <laughs> jumped into each other and absolutely fucked that up. But um, yeah, as you mentioned, Luai needs to lift. And he needs to find. That's he's only in second, maybe third gear at the best. He needs another couple of gears in him, and so does Appy. Um, yeah. Considering how good he and dominant he was last year coming out at dummy half, I know he's had his off-field problems and all the rest of it, but he need, if for Penrith to go past Melbourne and into a grand final, he needs to absolutely lift and play a lot better than what he has done. Can you blame fatigue? Should should they have rested some? I thought they would all come in the fresh enough. Oh, Maybe obviously they fatigue. copped a few knocks and whatever through injury, uh, through origin and it's thrown out their continuity when they've come back together. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Their defense was good enough in this game to win a lot of games, but their attack, their attack needs to be a hell of a lot better. Any other thoughts on? Not really. No, none in particular. Okay. Um, do we just put the pen through Penrith? We'll get to that, I reckon. Yeah, we'll get to that, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> anyone else want to wrap here? Just looking through sheets. Nia Corey, he's an underrated player. He had a good game again. He did, absolutely. Uh, and at one point, it looked like he might have ended up out in the centres, but uh, they, uh, yeah, he, he's a very underrated player. He'd be someone you'd, to, to me, I'd love to have at a club. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Capel, yeah. On his way to potentially fairing well, uh, farewelling Penrith in this game, had a had his best game in a while. He's been quiet for a long yeah. time. Yeah. We've covered it all there. Um, I are you giving you three two ones to? I just want to give oh. it to. I want to give it to the Parramatta forwards, to be honest. But... <laughs> I had. Um, I thought Cape will probably deserve the three. Mm-hmm. I had RCG with two, and then um, probably Fisher Harris or Paulo for the one. Go with Paulo. Ollie? Yeah, Paulo. All right, there's a stuff and olive in my mouth at the wrong time. <laughs> Lazing on my bed being fanned. Um, it's good radio listeners. Um, we get to the preview. Now let's get to our rugby league preview, which uh, 
It's is it qualifying prelim prelim final for me? It's all over That's the shop. Rabbitohs and Seagulls at no, they, it's prelim. Last week was semis. Don't start this again. Semi-final, <laughs> uh, damn it. Ten to eight <laughs> tomorrow night, Friday night. By the time everyone listens to this, Souths Blake Taff off the week off. Taff Johnston, Gay Guy Graham Paulo Walker Reynolds, captain and halfback Nichols Cook. Tavita Totola, Kolomatungi, Sua, Murray. The interchange is Marshall, Host, Burgess, and Jai Arrow. For the, there's a couple of injury concerns for Manly, but we've been assured they're going to be as per program. Tommy Turbo, Saab, Parker, Harper, Garrick, Foran, Daly, Cherry Evans, Captain Halfback, Aloe, Croker, Tapau, Olakowatu, Schuster, Trevojevic, Walker, Lawton, Kepi, and Paseca. Yeah, come at me, GT. There's some names in there. All right. I heard yesterday apparently Parker's definitely out and Sully's coming in. Parker's got a head right. injury, apparently. Des said today that that's not the case, but it is Des, so mm. we'll assume <laughs> Sully's playing. <laughs> um, all righty. Uh, where do you want to start? Ollie, you may as well open the batting here. Yeah, uh, well, just when you were bringing up the, um, the the different names for the finals games, I'm not sure if either of you boys have seen the movie Basketball, where yes. it gets to the to the basketball final, and they go, we've had a great eight months of playoffs here. First, the teams went through the qualifying preliminary, and then they went to the divisional <laughs> semifinal. And yeah. Conference yeah. championships. And- yeah, uh, just absolutely stupid. Great movie, though. Um, it, it's weird. The Bunnies are the favourites, but I sort of feel like they'd, be the underdogs heading into this one just because of the four manly hit last week and with Tommy Turbo and DCE firing as well. But I am going to go the Bunnies in this one, 1-12. One to 12, It's pretty much a, a flick of the coin. I feel like if South Sydney, and I don't think they'll shock Manly like they did Penrith, but if South Sydney can sort of win the middle, and it's crucial for South Sydney especially to win the middle within that first 20 minutes or so, and then that sort of frees up the edges, frees up your Reynolds and your Walker to get the ball out to the edges uh, where they're obviously lethal in attack. So I think if they can do that, which they're more than capable of now, ask me five weeks ago, I'll probably say they aren't, but... I think they're capable of doing so now in the first 20 minutes. Just get the edge in the middle and then play it out wide and try and break that uh, manly edge defence open. So I'm saying South Sydney 1-12. to Man of the match, I'm going to say Damien Cook. And first try scorer, I'll go with... It's hard to not go with Alex Johnston, isn't it? So I'll go with Alex Johnston. Yeah, this is... Uh, it's a good point. To Spend a bit of time on thinking about this, like, in the last 30 seconds. But um, I think Manly's concern is that edge defence had exposed a couple of weeks ago. Now, we know that's where South's going to go. Uh, Walker, obviously missing Latrell doesn't help, but Walker and well, Gay Guy Johnston, and I think, will pepper away on that edge. And Garrick and Harper have been exposed a little bit at times. Uh, so I'm saying South's 1-12, to looking forward to the forward battle. And the South Fords are now priding themselves on winning these semi-final battles. If they repeat what they did, I think this can be a sort of a similar template to, template to Melbourne used, where they can half bash them into submission and then cut open their edges. I'm gonna say South's one to twelve. Man of the match, Cam Murray. I think will control that middle fantastically as he well always does. <clears throat> and first try scorer Campbell Graham Barney. What have you done? Yeah, nice. Oh. Well, this is great matchups across the majority of the yep. 13 for both teams in this one. Ollie, we've got um, Ollie and I out of the way so you can analyse this a bit deeper. <laughs> same <laughs> question. 
the same question is going to come up for both teams. It's like the week off versus momentum. Um, I think this one, the the week off versus momentum, as Ollie said, is going to have more of an impact than the next match. Um, I think Manly come off from, you know, considering they didn't get absolutely decimated by the storm, but they got pretty handily beaten. And to come in with the tailwind of absolutely putting away a Roosters team without very little resistance, to be honest, I think that... Um, I'm going to go Manly, but um, there's there's plenty of questions. As you blokes both said, the, the Manly right-hand side defence, uh, like, can that hold off that Bunny's left-hand side attack, which has been lethal for the entire year? My question is, can South's middle defend well enough just off the back of, like, you haven't seen Manly go through the middle like they did against the Roosters this week. And if they can, if I can see the South's forwards tiring towards the back end of the second half and... Uh, if they get stretched on the edges and get run from one side of the field to the other, I can see Manly coming back through the middle and starting to score some points towards the back end of the second half. Um, as I said, I'm going to go with Manly. I think they've got enough structure and they'll pressure that middle enough. I just think Manly's got more points of attack, to be honest. They've got DCE, you've got Foran, you've got Walker in and around the ruck. You've got uh, the back rowers that can, that can both ball play and can run over the top of you. Um, I'm going to, I just think, yeah, as I said, Manly's got a few more points of attack. I'm going to go Manly 1-12, to 12, man of the match, Tommy Draboyevich, and first try scorer. I'm going to go with Suley because I don't expect Parker to play. Fair enough. Uh, you mentioned that middle from South, so it's worth keeping, like their bench is, apart from Dylan Walker, their bench is fantastic compared to the Manly bench. And yeah. uh, I think that they're going to absolutely need to run off their feet to get the metres to give their backs enough time and space with the ball. And I think they're going to spend that much uh, amount of energy and attack that I just think that it may tire at the back end of this game. Well, and that's where they, that's where obviously they're missing the trail, whereas you need half a chance for Tommy. You've got to create, where it's Absolutely. up to Walker to create. I'd love to see the trail in this game. Um, it's going to, like, if if Murray and Jai Arrow, don't get me wrong, those two can absolutely hold down the middle in defence. Same with Cook. Those three blokes could just tackle their ass off all day and night and hold Manly out and stop them from coming back through the middle. But I, I've, for some reason, I've just got an expectation of Manly coming back through the middle and scoring a couple no. of points late to win this game. So. Fair enough. You're not wrong till uh, till Friday morning, so that's all good. <laughs> Saturday morning, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Saturday morning, I should say. Uh, anything at last thoughts on this game, boys? Okay. Uh, look. I'm not saying put all your money on the professor to win the Clive Churchill medal in two weeks, but I'm not saying don't do it. Who are we not to... Wouldn't that be the story of the year? Um, I'm expecting a little bit out of Schuster, to be honest. He's been a bit quiet, considering how good he was four or five weeks ago. Um, I'm expecting... What are you putting that down to? Targeted, overall? Bashed a little bit more than he might have? Better no, quality I competition. Sort of, also I think made. he's just sort of sat back a little bit, to be honest. Um, Higher grade of football makes a difference too. Absolutely. Yeah, I expect him, if if they do get a little bit tired in the middle, I expect him to be running some straight lines and putting some people away on his inside and outside. So. Yeah, a bit more. It's always tough, and it's it's the old second year syndrome, but a bit earlier in that, now that when you're under yeah, the microscope, you they, they run at you, they, they make work you, you out. do your tackles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a bit harder to fly under the radar. All right, the main event, 4 o'clock on Saturday, just to ruin my afternoon. Uh, but there's apparently something on Saturday night. 
haven't heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've been looking forward to the AFL Grand Final what? all week, and now I've got to watch a stupid game of NRL beforehand. <laughs> well, I know who I'm giving my slap. Right, still. All right, Storm and Penrith, 1v2 on the table uh, for the minor premiers. Pappenhausen, Jennings, Smith, Hollum, they get the Fox back, Adokar at five, Munster, Hughes, Bromwich, Brandon Smith, Welsh, Kafusi, Bromwich, Fanukin, Harry Grant at 14, Kamakamika, Asafa Solomona, and Nico round out the 17. It's an imposing lineup. And for Penrith, Edwards, Crichton, Momorowski, Burton, Naden, Luai, Cleary, halfback and captain, Leota, Coruscant, Fisher, Harris, Kikau, Capel, Yo, Tyrone May onto the bench at 14. Sorensen, Pengai Jr. and Liam Martin. Brian Tuo named at 21. The expectation is he'll play, which I assume will push Brent Naden out of the side. Um, when you read that Melbourne team out, does it have a better aura than Penrith, or is it just me? Player for player, I mean. Oh, mate, that's <laughs> 19, what is it, 19 in a row? They just... Storm are just relentless. They just come at you and come at you every game. Like, it's... Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the one-two punch in the nines. Um, Munster, who could do anything at any time, and Hughes, who's just as good as a halfback of pretty much most of them in the competition, so... What do you well, Barney? You lead us away here, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, <laughs> as I said, Storm are relentless, but they're going to have a lot more atta- points of attack than what Parramatta were throwing at Penrith last week. Mm-hmm. Penrith's defence last week was brilliant. Don't get me wrong, but they're going to have to be as good and better to get close to this Melbourne team. Um, I'm not writing Penrith off, but I'd you know, and I'd prefer to see Penrith win, but they're going to need to. As I said, defend as well at a minimum and put away every opportunity that comes in there in front of them to score points. Because if they don't, they'll get beaten and they could possibly get beaten handily. Um, Leota and Fisher-Harris are going to have to absolutely tear into the middle of this pack and make it known that they're here for a fight. Because if they don't do that, they'll get walked over through the middle. And if that happens, there could be points coming all sorts of directions and... Good luck trying to stop Storm if they get on a roll through the middle. So um, Penrith absolutely have to shut down the middle. Appy has to get out, get his running game on. And even if they do all that, they could still possibly get beaten. I can't see the Storm get beaten in this game. Um, they've had the week off. They've got a team there that he's been resting players left, right and centre. He's been missing players all through the season, not just after Origin. He's been missing players all through the season. You've just got you got Nelson Asafa Solomona, you got Paseca, you not Paseca, you got Kamakamika, you've got the Bromwich brothers. Like they're gonna absolutely tear into the middle of this Penrith team. Penrith absolutely have to have all the field position, possession, repeat set after repeat set, and that's how they win this game. But I can't see it happening. I'm gonna go Melbourne 13 plus. I think they'll Penrith will hold on as long as they can, but Melbourne will come home and put them away. Man, Munster, man of the match, and they're going to go first try scorer. All. I know you said you can't write Penrith off. I can. I'm right. <laughs> in fact, I like how you said that and just did. So, um, they. I think I don't know. I think maybe it's mental fatigue, but I think Penrith are cooked. I think they've been belted uh, physically by Souths. They've been belted physically by Parramatta. And they're about to get belted physically by a fresh representative Ford pack. 
if there was ever they're going to miss a trick, but if there was ever a call to start uh, TPJ, I would think yeah. this would be the game if they're ever going to do it. Maybe, and if they've said no, you'll be off the bench. Well, it's a bit short-sighted or whatever. But play your play your trump cards while you got them, because I don't think, and it's been shown, Penrith can't chase. If Melbourne score first and potentially second, this game's over. Uh, and I think they will. I think there's uh, they'll expose enough cracks that other teams haven't. Uh, Cheese first try scorer. Maybe just uh, if it's not a dart from dummy half, it'll probably be a dart from a dummy half. And, <laughs> uh, and man of the match will be, um, it's probably going to be Cam Munster, let's be honest, or Pappenhausen, who will probably score multiple tries. Uh, Ollie? There's no other way I can really lead into this without just saying it. I'm tipping Penrith. I'm nice. Melbourne have been in this position before on multiple occasions within the last decade, pretty at least pretty similar to this, and they've actually lost. I'm not banking at all on this. Penrith will need to have a near They've also won a few on this team. They have won a few, you're right. Penrith are going to need a near-perfect performance. They're capable of it. If I'm purely going off my head, I should probably go Melbourne. However, They are capable of it. They, That's why I didn't write them off. <laughs> they're, they're capable of it, more than capable. They've beaten Melbourne this year. They somehow, in a, in a god-awful grand final last year, nearly beat them. I think they beat them in 2020 as well. And this is all or nothing for, for Penrith. If they don't win this Absolutely. game, I, I just about write them off for next year too, which I, don't, I know I was, is a bit hard. I, finals, say, I agree. I, I think this is their window because I think yeah. – they lose, you know, they lose Capel. They lose, obviously, TPJ wasn't necessarily part of their setup. Burton goes, uh, Kicker maybe goes. And, and that window they had, albeit keeping some good players, Luai has to step up next year. Dylan Edwards has already started to get a little bit of the yips back the last few weeks. You know, there's there's more questions than answers if Penrith don't win this game, I feel. Oh, definitely. And... Heading into this one as well, if Penrith are going to win, Nathan Cleary is going to have to be the man of the match for me. He's going to have to have a world-class performance, which he is very capable of. And even if Penrith lose, I'm probably still tipping Cleary to have a good game. I think Paul Momorowski is also someone who's going to need a bit of a big game, funnily enough, in defence. I've spoken at multiple occasions uh, this year about how he's one of the better defensive centres in the competition. We know um, Olam's going to exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I, I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility that Momorowski uh, can't stop Olam. I'm, I'm saying he can. And if he does, I think that that's a huge sigh of relief for Penrith. If he can at least contain Olam to an extent, that's going to be big. Penrith's forwards are going to have to go right at him. I've said all year in the first 20 minutes, you've got to stick with Melbourne. You can't go down by more than 12 points or you're done. I feel like Penrith know that or they should know that just as much as anyone <laughs> so, so they should be coming right at them from the start and if they if they're not i don't know what they're doing they kind of have to win this otherwise we might not see them in this position for another 10 20 years to be honest so i, I think Penrith have 20. to do it i was going <laughs> 10 or 20 but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think Penrith have to do it i'm gonna say they do do it and also i, I don't tip many underdogs or many crazy Cinderella stories or whatever. So I thought, oh, I might as well do it here. I'm going to Panthers by one. I'm saying Nathan Cleary kicks that field goal right at the end, possibly an extra time to seal it for Penrith. And, well, oh, first try scorer, I'm going to say, well, I'm not going to say Justin Olin. That would be silly um, based off of my argument. So I'm going to go Ryan Pappenhausen. I do think Melbourne get over the line first. 
But man of the match, it's going to have to be Cleary. So I'm going Nathan Cleary. Do you think Penrith can chase? If they yes. go down by 6, 8, 10? I think, they, I think 12 is their max. Yeah. In the first 20 minutes, if they go down by 12 or more, I, I think they're pretty much done. But if they can hold them to less than that for the first 20 minutes, I think they can go go for it. And even if Melbourne do win, I am relatively confident that there will be times in this game where Penrith do look strong and do look yeah. like they could now to come back or that they could possibly go on to well, win the game. They absolutely need to control the middle and they need to control field position and possession. They need to, as I mentioned, they need to get down and get repeat sets and they need to bother the storm. They need to get up in their faces. They need to hustle them. And then you might see a bit of that stuff that we've seen during the year where Melbourne start going side to side and don't know exactly where they're going. If they, you know, if they can get up in their face with quick line speed and um, get down Melbourne's end of the field and put pressure on them, you never know. Yeah, and, and I guess just to give examples of what I was talking about, how Melbourne have been in this position before and have lost the two games that really stick out to me, and I know it's a bit of a different side, but the 2011 Melbourne Storm side, should have beaten the Warriors in that preliminary final. This Penrith team's still probably stronger than that Warriors team was. The Warriors managed to do it in Melbourne, and so did the Cowboys in 2015 when Melbourne were the favourites heading into that one. So I'm just saying as well, Penrith can do it. It's happened before. They can do it, but a lot has to go their way for them to actually get it done. Yep, fair call. Fair call, fair commentary. Uh Right, any final word on that game, lads? Let... Not for me. Okay. No. He just took a very deep <laughs> intake there. Uh, salute, slap, and pop plant. We forgot about last week. Do we have any this week, or have I given you no notice? Yeah. Oh, as I said, I want to salute DCA. I thought his attack, um, the work off the his work and attack was um, a lot better than what he's been putting out. Not what he's been putting out, but I thought it was very crisp and he was the, the linchpin to, to get Manly into attacking position and get them on the front foot and into the right positions to score points. Yeah, I will... You stole mine. Let me think of something else. Ollie? <laughs> I'll salute Mitch Moses. Yeah, a great season overall just for the year. And I've seen Parramatta fans bag him after that game against Penrith that it was his fault. And obviously the halves usually do get the blame put on them. But I thought he had a good game. Yeah, I, thought he I, I thought he was better than most Penrith players out there. And I think he's, yeah, he's had a great season overall, made his origin debut. Uh, again, he wasn't great in that game, but got a bit of the blame there where I don't think he necessarily should have. Um, yeah, so Mitch Moses. I'll salute, I'll salute James Tedesco, just I think he's been underrated in getting Roosters to where they have, so I'll pop him in for a salute. Uh, we didn't talk about, speaking of pot plants and slaps, the um, <laughs> Penrith trainer, 25k fine and a sanction, whatever that means, it's a bit of a Mickey Mouse thing. But Suspended for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. You'll stay there and yeah, get a holiday. <laughs> yeah, um, but, yeah, that was terrible. Uh, Awful time. He's absolutely under instruction. Of um, course he was. Absolutely. Should never have been. Should never have stopped the game without. Obviously, the rules are you need to come out and assess the player before you can stop a game of football. But yeah, that was ridiculous. And and that pro- the officials you can't say happen, it cost so. him. That's right. You can't say it cost him the game, but certainly cost him momentum in a crucial stage. Absolutely, they were on the line attacking with what one or two plays, yeah. um, a, a player down behind the line. 
it was nowhere near anywhere near affecting the play. Um, the only thing he was going to affect was the Penrith's defensive line. So, yeah. but uh, my slap will not necessarily be so much that, a little bit of that, but also the fact we've seen it all year where players have stayed down, been checked for a HIA, yeah. and then three tackles later, miraculously, or the next set, oh, we better go and we better go tech Tyson. We'll take him off and check him now. HIA. For a yeah, HIA. Free interchange. And apparently Penrith made 15 substitutions in that game because you get to bank him. Yeah, well, you get the one to take him off and one to put him back on. Because foul play, yeah. So yeah. If it's in the, the other, yeah, instance of foul play, you get the, to get to take them off for a free interchange and then put them back on. Yeah, because the other one yeah. was, yeah, as I mentioned, Tyson and Frizzell, I remember that happening then. And then... Oh, it's been happening. The minute they, but the minute they, they keep them on season. and the minute they're on the defensive line... Oh, we better take him off now. Yeah, absolutely. As soon as they get the ball back and he's not needed anymore, they just take him off and then they get two free interchanges because something that happened two and a half minutes ago that nobody saw, but it suddenly gets put on report for whatever reason. The pretty simple fix is if you get a penalty for a high shot, take make it compulsory. If you stay down with a headshot, if you, you stay down, that's for right. 10, 15 minutes. Make it compulsory it to have yeah. HIA because, mate, you'll see those fullbacks that do it all the time. And Dane Laurie is one of the, let's say, worst defenders, so mm-hmm. not pointing Go stones. Off and come back um, so if if mm-hmm. he stay, they'll stop straight away. You think Tommy Turbo is going to stay down for twenty minutes for to be sent off for ten? They'll be getting up. Well, it's smart. the same with the Fergo one. To be honest, like for oh, him to jump up after week, yeah. a crusher and then want to punch on two seconds yeah. later. Like, if he knows he's going off the field, he's going to. The best would thing would be the ref to turn around and go, "All right, you had a penalty, and now you're acting like a fuckwit." Yeah. It's their penalty. Fuck yeah. you. Get back there and tackle. Well, <laughs> How good Bill, would that be? <laughs> Bill Harrigan used to do it, but no one's got the balls to do it anymore. It's stopping a heartbeat. It happened. I remember it happening. It happened years. There's a few times years ago where it happened, and they go, "No, actually, you've been a fuckwit." Apparently, it'll clean up a lot. But no, none of these referees have the balls right now, and it's not. It's not actually their fault. I shouldn't say they have the balls, but. It'd be caused that much criticism. Oh, they've been instructed, instructed to, to not to do it a certain way. Yeah, you need someone that's just going to go. You know what? I'm the ref, and we're going to play the play it my way. Anyway, and just um, for my slap, to be honest, I'm going to slap Fergo for that bullshit. That's all right. Sitting down for a crusher and then getting up because obviously Martin's turned around and called him a cat or a diver or a dog or whatever it is. Yeah, and he's jumped to his feet five seconds later and wanted to punch on like this world's strongest man. Mate. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, talk about putting yourself on show anyway. Ollie, do you have a slap? I do, and it's a, it's a bit more of a personal one, um, I guess you could say, or one closer to us. I'm going to uh, slap good friend of the show, Danon, for how oh, he carried man. on after the Panthers-Eels game. It wasn't necessarily the complaining about the refs, etc. because I can understand how you'd be heated. And as I said, 50-50 calls didn't go um, the Eels' way. But he was messaging us and talking about how the refs cost him the game. And then I go onto Facebook. I go on a Parramatta's Facebook page. I see a comment from him saying, sack the coach, Brad Arthur, cost us the game. Right, right, right. Well, who was it? Who cost, who cost Parramatta the game? It, it, it's everyone but the players, isn't it? Like, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> Mitch Moses. He would have played Mitch Moses too. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, in fairness to Dane, and, uh, I thought he handled it live quite well. He did. Yeah. Oh, I, I understand it. It's I've just a bit funny. <laughs> it, it's just a bit funny as well how he was saying it, it was definitely the refs. You know, Parramatta should have won if not for the refs. And then on Facebook, he's talking about how it's Brad Arthur. You do have to say he's been consistent with the Brad Arthur line for probably two years he has. now. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying he's not consistent. All right. The final, final note to finish on. 
which we've talked about dating, which Penrith player will handle it the best if they are to be eliminated this weekend? A Penrith fan, I should say, that we know. <laughs> I honestly think it'll be Flobs. He, he's he counted, Pen- he's counted Penrith out weeks ago, even when they've looked yeah, all right. He's... I look forward to that. I look forward to King's blow up, to be honest. I reckon King may just blow a fucking poo-poo valve. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, and, of course, they'll be tremendously humble should they win. So, which is and I'm going to pop play kick out because he's done it now in a couple of big games. He just absolutely loses his head. And he should have been pulled off probably 10 minutes before the coach actually dragged him off the field, to be honest, because he was creating more problems for Penrith than what he was doing anything good. Uh, I'll pop plant Adam Kieran just, uh, and I feel sorry for him, but didn't have a, his greatest showing of, of his NRL career. Absolutely not. Nothing for you, Ollie? Nothing from Ollie. Did you do a pop plant, Barney? Sorry, I was just yeah. off in the kick it out. <laughs> Yeah, kick it. You know what? I might as well pop plant kick out as well. Uh, I'm sorry, to, but yeah. he. Uh, I know this sounds. Horrible, and he's been named in the side. But Penrith are nearly better off if he does put CPJ out there and put someone else in the pitch. It's it's not the it's it's seriously not the worst as well. It's not the worst idea this week because there's no point sending him out when they're down. He just seems to lose his head with pressure. He tries to do too much, and then he just loses all sorts of semblance of even where he is on the fucking football field. (laughs) I don't know what happens. How scary could he be if he went down to Craig Bellamy? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like even remember, Bellamy had Cassiano for a year. Hey, give Give Kamek Kamika a year or two when yeah. he gets moved out into the back row when Kafusi moves on, and watch what happens there. Yeah, but he'd just get him and go right. I want you to run. If you get a chance to offload, I want you to offload to the right. If not, do not do anything else. If I had to, but if I had to sign Kikau or Kamek Kamika for six hundred k, I'd tell you right now, I'm signing Kamek Kamika. Yeah, fair, fair call. Yeah, Kamek Kamika as well. Yeah, but you know what? I think we all you agree talk... we wouldn't sign Kikau for more than 600k. No. But but you bring up Kikau, you know, going to Melbourne and turning into a star. You, you send your mate uh, Jack Jojewski, Jojowski to Melbourne, he probably ends up a star as well. So <laughs> Good Kizowski. Depends if they keep him on the field. Poor bugger, he's had a few injuries. Yeah. Anyway, I suppose we've uh, extended this as much as we can towards an hour. Thank you everyone for listening. Like been our finals review and preview. Join us next week for, I believe, uh, we'll do semi-final review and then we'll do the grand final separately and maybe dive a little bit deeper, but we'll talk about yeah, it off Yeah, we'll go right into the grand final. Yeah, so just yeah. how is Mark Nichols going to win the Clive Churchill medal? It's going to get past this week, yeah. Yeah, let's get through this Hell week. <laughs> but uh, looking forward to that, gentlemen. Well done. And uh, I will talk to you and everyone very shortly. Breaking news, Brad Parker's out.